All right, I will say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shirt. To thank our sponsors, our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Adir Beis. To thank Leia Sol for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in honor of those who put together the beautiful groundbreaking and those who work on behalf of the Shul each and every day. To thank our... Dafiomi sponsors today an anonymous sponsorship for the Rafua Shalema of Leah Tsipora Bas Chana and the Klibanov family in honor of the Harbatsas Hatora accomplished through this year. We'll say we thank all of our sponsors for their generosity and for their dedication. And with that, Emir Hashem, let us begin. Today's Daf is Daf Dalid. Daf Dalid. We are picking up on Gimel Ahmed Bey's. A lot of incredible Gemara to do today. 3B. And also we left off about 18 lines up from the bottom. Mikan Amru. No, actually, I'm sorry. Right after Yochel. It's right across, it's actually right across from Tosus Yochel. So it is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16. Oh, it is 18 lines up from the bottom. So we'll say, remember again, right? Eight lines up from the bottom across from Tosus Yochel. So remember again, yesterday, we spent our time really focused on establishing first the structure of the Mishnah, but then afterwards we did an incredibly important piece where essentially we learned the basis of this halacha. When I say this halacha, number one, really it's a three-part halacha. Part one, that a man can't do yibum with a woman who is an erva. That's part one. Part two is that when there is an erva, she is not only exempted from yibam, but ultimately she exempts her tsara, her co-wife. And part three, which is not only is the co-wife exempted, but what we call the tsaras tsara. The co-wife of the co-wife is exempted as well. And I both say all of that, amazingly enough, is learned out from the prohibition of Eishas, I should Isha. The prohibition of going out and marrying one's wife's or one's wife's sister. Everything is derived ultimately from that halacha. So says the Gemara. Let's go back to Yachos and Af Sheish Arayos Chamuros Meilu. I might have thought that maybe the list of fifteen should grow, and perhaps another six women should be added on. Nebosai. Who are these six women? The six women we're going to see in a later Mishnah, the Mishnah on Yud Gimel Ahmed Aleph, in about 10 days from now, or nine days from now, we'll see. These are six additional relatives who are relatives, relatives from the husband's father's side, paternal relatives. And I will say, you might have thought that we should include these additional six women, and ultimately, again, these women are ushered to the Yavam, ultimately, again, because they are related to him on his father's side. You would have thought that the same halachos, they should also usher their co-wives and their co-wives, co-wives as well, to which the Gemara says, we say no. Amrit, ma'achos ishto miyuchedes. I will say, now remember again, the, the reason why this doesn't really get off the ground, although the Gemara is going to go through the process, mm-hmm. is because, remember, anyone who is paternally related to the Yavam, is also paternally related to who? All of his brothers. So by definition, this becomes an impossible Yibam situation. Remember again, we saw it alluded to in the Mishnah, but we have not yet actually seen where this is. 
is that Yibam only applies to brothers who are related paternally. I mean, of course, paternally and maternally also, but there has to be a paternal relationship. Has to be brothers, ultimately, again, who are related paternally. So therefore, again, in these, again, the Gemara doesn't go through these additional six women, but these six women are prohibited to the Yibam through a paternal relationship. So ultimately, again, that means that they're prohibited to the brothers as well. But you might have thought that nevertheless, the same way these women are asuros, that their tsaros, their co-wives should be asuros as well. Amrit, we said no. We also remember again, what we established also yesterday was a paradigm. What did we say yesterday? Ma'achos ishtam yuchades shi erva Remember again, in the case of achos ishto, the sister of one's wife, what are the qualities of that relationship? Number one, she's an erba. Number two, number two, intentional relations with her bring with it a chi of karis. Unintentional, ultimately bring a chi of katos. But, afshir linase laachim. See, I say, the case of achos ishto, of one's wife's sister, she is permitted to the yavam's brothers. Right? Remember, again, the only prohibition to marry a wife's sister is on the man who's married to the sister. But Lamai said to all the other brothers, she is permitted. And therefore, she goes ahead and prohibits her co-wives. So that creates a paradigm. Sarasa asura. Yatsu sheish arayos chamuros me'ilu. Hoil di afshar li nasi la'achim. Sarasehem mutaros. She'in tsara ela me'ach. So I'll say, okay, I just heard a lot there. Let's translate this. We'll say it's a very simple chashpin. The Gemara says, we're establishing what we'll call paradigms. In halacha, paradigms are called the binyan av. We're establishing paradigms. And remember again, what, what the Mishnah has established for us is a paradigm that looks like this. If you have a woman like we just said before, who is an erva, she cannot do yibam with the yavam. And if she can't do yibam with the yavam because of an erva situation, not only can't she do yibam, but who else can't do yibam? Her co-wife, her tzara. And again, the tzaras, tzaras, which I will say, again, remember, just to, just, just to refresh everyone's, because we're talking about it a lot, go back to the chart from the first day. Let's just take a quick look again at the tzaras, tzara case, just so everyone remembers. If you take a look again at chart A, I will say this is the bottom line of chart A. So remember again, if we just go through this quickly, Ruvain, starting from the top of table A, Ruvain is married to two women, Rachel and Leah. Rachel is Shimon's daughter. Ruvain dies. Therefore, Rachel and Leah technically fall to Yibam to Shimon. Shimon, however, can't do Yibam with Rachel because Rachel is his daughter. Erva, Erva. Once Shimon can't do Yibam with Rachel Erva, he also can't do Yibam with Leah, the co-wife. That's the case of Tsaras Erva. Co-wife of an Erva. No problem. Go down, go down to the second box in table A. In table A. See what happens, Jabosai. So Leah, Leah goes ahead and does Yibam with Levi. Right? Another surviving brother. Now what happens? So Jabosai, remember again, Leah is what we call the Tsaras Erva, the co-wife of an Erva. So Leah does Yibam with Levi. Now what happens? Levi dies. Now both say Levi has two wives, Leah, who was the Tsaras Erva, and Miriam. You might have thought that Miriam, right, or perhaps again one of these women would be able to marry Shimon now, 
But no, since Leah is a Tsaras Erva, Miriam becomes a Tsaras Sara, the co-wife of a co-wife. And therefore, again, once again, Shimon can't do Yibam with either of these women. Okay, that, that's just, just, just to refresh yourself with the case because we're constantly referencing it. So I will say, so therefore, again, now that everything is learned out from Achos Ishto, remember again, this becomes Achos Ishto, becomes the paradigm, becomes the Binyan Av for this entire halacha. So I will say, what's the paradigm established by Tzaras Ishto? The case of an erva, the case of an erva, but I will say, what kind of erva? What kind of erva? Remember, let's assume right now, by the way, that we're talking about Say, we'll say, I'm sorry, pull out the chart just once more. Just let's illustrate it with this chart. It's very easy. On A. So we'll see you have three brothers, Shimon, Ruvain, and Levi. And let's just keep this very simple. So Ruvain, Ruvain is married to, right, Rachel and Leah. And just for our purposes right now, let's assume Rachel is the sister of Shimon's wife. Shimon has another wife. Rachel is the sister of Shimon's wife. That's the case of Achos Ishto. Then I will say... In that case, in that paradigm of Achos Ishto, from which all of these halachas are being gleaned, ultimately, Rachel is ushered to Shimon. Again, why is she ushered to Shimon? Why? Because she is the sister of his wife. Who is she permitted to? Levi. Right? She's permitted to all the other brothers. Right? So this is, remember, the case of Achos Ishto is where the erva, the erva situation, only is problematic for one of the brothers, but it's not problematic for all of the other brothers. But if halacha l'maysa, you have an erva situation that is problematic for all of the brothers. So again, no one has the, right, it's problematic for all of the brothers, then ultimately, again, the paradigm doesn't kick in. So where the, where the erva is only problematic for one brother, like achos ishto, that's when, that's when the paradigm kicks in. And the paradigm says, the erva is aser, the co-wife of the erva is aser, and the tsaras tsara, the co-wife of the co-wife is usher. But I was saying, if you have a case where the woman in question is a what we'll call a paternal erva, and therefore again she's usher to all of the brothers, the rest of the paradigm simply doesn't kick in. That's all the Gemara is saying. Beautiful. Let's go back there. So I will say, this is a really exciting Gemara. Azhara Shamanu. So I will say, now I know about the prohibition. So, okay, now I got it. I, I understand it. Why I understand the prohibition? What's the prohibition? You can't do Yibam with an erva, right? Number one, can't do Yibam with the co-wife of an erva. Number two, and you can't do Yibam with the Saras Sara, the co-wife of the co-wife of an erva. Good, I got it. Azhara. Onesh Minayin. They will say, what's the punishment? What's the punishment, right? Because remember, I'm going to say, you know this, that in halacha, in halacha, so any time that something is aser, there's two components to the iser. There's the actual prohibition, there's a prohibition, and then there's the punishment, what we call the azhara, which is the lab, the prohibition, and the onesh, the punishment. So the azhara, the prohibition, we just saw before, isha lachosa losikach litzror legalos ervasa aleha bechayeha. That's the azhara. What's the onesh? What's the punishment? To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Amakra, ki kol ish asher yasa mikalatoivos. Because the Bosai, the Pasik says, any man who engages in any of these abominable acts, benichrasu hanafashos haosos mikaravalam. Kares, kares, that is the punishment for going ahead and engaging in these relationships. Now, Bosai, get ready for this, Sugya. Get ready for this. Taima de Kasev Rahmana Aleha. So I'll say, so remember again, how did we get, how did we get from the prohibition of Achos Ishto, which is just a straightforward prohibition 
ultimately of marrying your wife's sister. How did we get to that, to the whole, and apply this to the whole Yibum scenario? Remember again, one word. What was the one word? Aleha. Aleha created a Gzera Shava between the prohibition of Achos Ishto and Yibum. Because the Torah uses the same word Aleha in both contexts. So watch this. Time at the Kasev Rachmana Aleha. Hadlav Hachi. Had the Torah not used the word Aleha. Hava Amina. Achos Isham Yavemes. Let's take a step back here for just a moment. Had the Torah not used the word Aleha, right, which created a Gzera Shava between Achos Ishto and Yibum. It will say, what would I have thought regarding doing Yibum with the wife of my sister? What would I have thought? Just logically, what would I have thought? It's mutter. Why would I have thought that? Because we'll say, remember again, my wife's sister is no worse than my brother's wife. And if I'm allowed to marry my brother's wife in a situation of Yibum, remember we'll say, the whole Chiddush of Yibum is that the concept of Yibum permits a relationship which was otherwise prohibited. You're not allowed to marry your brother's wife. Right? You're not, allowed, you're not allowed to. Yet Yibum says you're allowed to. It's a, it's a mitzvah. So we'll say, so if Yibum allows that forbidden relationship, I would have thought in general, Yibum allows free to marry someone who would otherwise be prohibited to me. So we'll say, what the Gemara is just suggesting over here is, without the word Aleha, which creates a halachic bridge, a Gzereshava, between Achos Ishto and Yibum, I would have thought I would be allowed to do Yibum with my wife's sister because again, Yibum in general allows for a relationship which was otherwise prohibited. So I will say, now watch this. My timer. Now I will say, now what's the reason why I would have thought that halacha lemaisa, I can marry my wife's sister for a situation of Yibum? It's very simple. Da'aminon asei, asi asei, so exciting. I will say, why? Why? Because, listen to this, I would have thought, it's very simple. I will say, a positive commandment sets aside a prohibition. This is a halachic principle. We're going to see where it comes from in just a moment. But there's a halachic principle. Say for I will say again. And what? So therefore, in Yibom, let's play this out. Let's play this out. So again, just we'll say, let's just keep using, we're just going to keep referencing this sheet, right? Same table, table A. Reuven passes away. Reuven passes away. He leaves two wives, Rachel and Leah. Shimon is married to Rachel's sister. Shimon is married to Rachel's sister. So I both say, without the Gzera Shava of Aleha Aleha, I would assume that Shimon should marry Rachel, even though Rachel is Shimon's present wife's sister. Why? There's an Asay of Yibum, an Asay of Yibum, and the Asay of Yibum should go ahead and set aside the Losasay, the prohibition of marrying one's wife's sister. To which the Gemara says, one second, one second. So first of all, Gemara, so hold on, hold on here for just a moment. I would have thought, when did we say that an Asay could set aside a low sase. When do we say that? That's what we'll call, we'll say, with a relatively low-grade low sase. What's an example of a low-grade low sase? Anything that has like a chi of malchus with it. We'll give examples of that in just a moment. But when you have a low sase that has a chi of kares, 
I don't know that we would say that an assay, that a positive commandment could come along and set that aside. I don't know that that makes sense. And I also remember again, when you come to Arias, you come to Arias, you're talking about death penalties. You're talking about kares. Eishas, right? Achos ishto is a situation of kares. So who says that assay is docha lo sase? Furthermore, furthermore, the Gemara says, v'su, lo sase great minan dudachi. Both say this is incredible. Furthermore, says the Gemara, how do you know that Asay is Dochelosa Asay? In other words, from, from, where, from where do we know that? Both say top of Dalit, this is such an incredible sugya, both with Halacha and Tashkafa, which we'll get to. Tichsev, it's very simple because the Pasik says, Lo Silbash Shatnis Gedilim Gedilim Tasaloch. It will say, because the Pasik says, juxtaposes two psukim. It will say, both them in Devarim. Torah says, do not wear shatnas, do not wear shatnas, or silva shatnas, semer ufishtim yachtov. Don't wear shatnas, wool and linen together. And I will say, in the very next Pasik, what does it say? Gedilim taselach al arba kanfos ksuscha. Tzitzis. Tzitzis. Right? And I will say, what's ta'alacha with tzitzis? Tzitzis is permitted to be shatnas. Then we'll say, so interesting, take a look at Rashi, those silver shatnas, the summer like Gedilim Tasalach, the Darshinim Smuchin, Visharinan Kelayim Bitsitis, Almo Asia Sevedachalos. So I just want to point out over here, there's actually two pieces to this drasha. This is so exciting. There's two pieces to this drasha. Then we'll say, first of all, the concept of Ase Dochelosase comes from these two psukim. The Torah says, don't wear shatnas, and then it says, but do wear tzitzis. And from here we learn that tzitzis can be shatnas. So we'll say, I could have a baguette, I could have right, a, bag, a baguette of tzitzis, right? My tzitzis garment is made of linen, and my tzitzis can be made of wool, or vice versa. That is permitted. That is permitted. Then we'll say, now that presupposes another halachic principle, which is darshinon smuchin. That we darshin juxtaposed psukim. And we assume that when the Ribono Shal Olam put certain psukim together, he did it intentionally for us to learn certain things. Right? So therefore, again, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes out of his way, so to speak, to go ahead and juxtapose the Pasuk of Shatnis with the Pasuk of Tzitzis, it's to teach us that although there's a prohibition of Shatnis, you can't wear wool and linen together, you can wear Tzitzis, which are Shatnis. So that's Darshin and Smuchin. We Darshin. We learn that from the juxtaposition. And what we darshan from that is what? Asay dochelos asay. Positive commandment has the ability to be docha, a prohibition. So Yimar says, V'am Rabbi Allah. V'am Very exciting. V'am Rabbi this, this is like a yesod, right? You're learning Gemara like this. And this is, this is a shas Gemara. V'am Rabbi Allah. Rabbi Allah says, Smuchin minat Torah minayim. So what's that? First of all, Rabbi Allah says, How do you know that you darshan smuchin? Right? How do you know that you dash in juxtapositions? That juxtapositions are meaningful. Shinemar, Debo says, it's interesting. Kotsuvir, beautiful passage from Tehillim. Smuchim laad liolam asuyim be MSV Asher. Shabbos says, it's actually interesting. How do you know you dash in smuchim? It's interesting. Kotsa passage from Tehillim, right? Which is, which is just fascinating. Debo says, the real answer, how do you know that you dash in smuchim? Debo the kanza dash in smuchim has to be a halacha l'moshim misinai. In other words, you can't, you can't start darshaning psukim based on a beautiful poetic pasuk in Tehillim. The real answer is that smuchin has to be one of the exegetical principles. What the Gemara is saying is, do you have a pasuk that kind of references this dynamic? To which the Gemara says, yes, 
Beautiful Pasek in Tilim. Literally again, Smuchim Li'ad Li'olam, they are juxtaposed, they are together for all eternity. Asuyim Be'emes Yasha. They ultimately again are crafted with Emes and are Yasha. V'am Rav Sheshit, Am Lazar. Mishum Rebbe Lazar Ben Azariah. Minayim Li'yivama. Those who listen to this, another great case, we're going to see this case. Minayim Li'yivama. Listen to this. How do we know? And we're going to talk about this case. Let's say you have a Yavama and a woman. This, this is the widow. And the widow falls to a brother. Right? The Lushan of Yibam is falling. Right? She falls to the Yavam. She falls in front of her brother-in-law. And the guy is Mukashchin. The Rebbe said Mukashchin literally means covered with boils. In other words, the brother-in-law is physically repulsive to the widow. So how do we know that if the widow finds her brother-in-law, the Yavam, physically repulsive, that ultimately, she'in chosmin osa, that we'll say, in chosmin osa literally means what? That we don't muzzle her. Now that we don't muzzle her means we don't stifle her objections to marrying him and we, 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 we force, force we, we strongly encourage the Yavam to do chalitza. Right? If the woman doesn't want to marry the Yavam, right, we, in chosmin, we don't muzzle her, right? we don't silence her, we hear her objections, and we tell the Yavam, do chalitza. But say, look at Rashi, Rashi says, over she in chosmin, in sosmin ta'anosea, lekofa le'esyabim lo, elekofin oso v'cholitz. We force him. We force him to chalitza. So we say, how do we know? Listen to this. Shine emar. This is fascinating. Lo sachsum sharbadisho. Because we'll say the Pasik says, you should not muzzle an ox when it threshes. We'll say, very interesting halacha, when you're muzzle it, when the ox is threshing, you shouldn't muzzle it. Right? Why not? Because we'll say that's considered to be cruel and unusual punishment to the ox. Right? When an ox threshes, it's supposed to be able to eat while it works. So if you muzzle it, right, that's considered to be tzar bale chayim. So the Torah says, right, mistreating of animals. So the Torah says, lo sachsom sherbedisho. And I will say, here's what's interesting. What's the next pasuk, right? What's the pasuk right next to it? Pasuk right next to it is, ki yeshvu achim yachtov. The pasuk of Yibum. The pasuk of Yibum. So I will say, so once again, it's a fa- that that's darshinon smuchin. They're darshinon juxtaposed psukim. That there are some times in a Yibum scenario where we don't muzzle the woman, so to speak, right? She has an objection to marrying this man. We don't muzzle, we don't silence her, but rather we hear her objections and ultimately go ahead and tell the Yavam to do Chalitz. Incredible. Now we'll say this whole concept of Darshin and Smuchin is in and of itself imachlokes. Not everyone darshin smuchin. Right? In other words, it's, one, it's interesting, I will say, because obviously there are certain exegetical principles that everyone agrees with, right? In other words, everyone agrees with the concept of a Kavachomer. And everyone agrees with the concept of Gzair Shava. It's interesting to note that when it comes to the concept of darshinon smuchin, do we darshin juxtapositions there is machlokis about that. It's really fascinating to see. There's a machlokis. Do we darshan smuchin or not? So here's what's fascinating. E- excuse me. Even according to the opinions who hold that you don't darshan smuchin the Mishnah Torah darsh. We do darshan smuchin in Dvarim. I say Dvarim is called Mishnah Torah. Right? Why is Dvarim called Mishnah Torah? Mishnah Torah literally means a second or a review because m- most of Chumash Dvarim, right? The essence of Chumash Dvarim 
is a review of that which occurred before. All of Chumash Devarim occurs with Klal Yisrael standing at Ever Hayardin, right by the Transjordanian area, and it's Moshe Rabbeinu's farewell speech to all of Klal Yisrael. So says him something amazing, that Rabbi Yosef says that even if you don't normally darshan smuchin, in Devarim, Everyone darshan smuchin. So the Gemara says, "What is so?" What so the Gemara says, darish." Rabbi Huda darish. Because even let's take Rabbi Huda as an example. Rabbi Huda normally does not darshan smuchin, or by Mishnah Torah darish. But by Mishnah Torah, by by dvarim he does. darish. How do you know that in general Rabbi Huda doesn't darshan smuchin? This Sanya ben Azai Omer. Now listen to this. We're going to show now that Rabbi Huda doesn't darshan smuchin. How do you see? Watch this. Benazai, so the Sanya, Benazai Omer. Benazai says as follows. Neamar, mechashefa lo sechaya. The Bosei Torah says, you have, to, you have to kill a machashefa. Who's a machashefa? A sorceress. A sorceress. Right? Torah says, you're not allowed to, uh, you're not, you are not permitted to allow the machashefa to live. Benazai, and the next Pasuk says, whoever goes ahead and commits an act of bestiality, right, is also put to death. So the Gemara says, Samchu inyon lo. Then I will say, here's what's interesting. It is fascinating to see that the prohibition of bestiality is juxtaposed to the prohibition of sorcery. So the Gemara says, so Benazai says, Ma shochev, ma shochev in behema beskilo, af machashefa beskilo. We'll say, what's the nature of the juxtaposition? It's very simple. It's to teach me. Just like bestiality is punished by skila, by stoning, so too again, so too again, sorcery is going to be punished by stoning as well. Amr alay Rabbi Huda. Amr alay Rabbi Huda. We'll say, Amr Rabbi Huda. Um, I'm sorry. Amr alay Rabbi Huda. V'chim ipnei shesamchu inyan lo notzi zel skila. Rabbi Huda says, what? Because the psukim are juxtaposed, you're going to go ahead and kill this guy with skila? That doesn't make any sense. Look at Ashra will say, no So just because the, the prohibition of sorcery is juxtaposed to bestiality, you're going to go ahead and kill the sorcerer with skila? I will say, now, interestingly enough, Rashi says over here, what's, what's Rabbi Huda's objection to skila? And I will say, let's be clear. Is Rabbi Huda disagreeing that the machashef is subject to a death penalty? No. Right? Rabbi Huda is bothered by Skila. Now, who cares? Like, at the end of the day, you're going to kill the guy. What does it matter? It matters to get Rashi. Skila, Shimisa Chamura Mikulon. But remember, we saw this in yesterday's daf, that there's a machlokas. What is considered to be the most stringent death penalty? Is it Skila or is it Srefa? Yesterday's daf, we saw reference to the fact that it's Srefa. Rabbi Huda holds that it's Skila. And Rabbi Huda says to impose the most severe death penalty upon an individual when it's not warranted is wrong, is wrong. Therefore, says Rabbi Huda, I understand, just because the prohibition of Kishof is juxtaposed to the prohibition of bestiality, you're going to kill the Mechashev, you're going to kill the sorcerer, that doesn't make any sense. To which the Gemara says, Ella, so I, so, I say, so what is the punishment for the sorcerer? In other words, Torah doesn't say, all the Torah says is, you can't allow the Mechashefa to live. Okay, how am I killing them? Says the Ella, Ovi Yedoni, Bichlam Mechashem Hayur. We'll say, rather watch this. Now remember the prohibition of, or I should say the statement of Mechashefa lo sechaya, don't allow the Mechashefa to live. We will say that is an all-encompassing pasuk, right? That, that, that includes all forms of Kishof, all forms of Kishof. So the Gemara says, listen to this, so Ovi Yedoni are included. I'm saying, I remember, Ovi Yedoni 
are types of necromancers, right? They go out and they speak to the dead, either through bones or actually one of them through their armpits, right? That, that's, that's how Oviyadoni operate. So Oviyadoni were included in the general statement of but yet they're pulled out and they're spoken about separately. So watch this. Ovinyadoni were in the general group of Mechashvim. Why were they pulled out? Why are they mentioned specifically on their own? To go ahead and teach you the following. It will say to teach us a very important principle. Just like Ov and Yedoni ultimately again are punishable by Skila, so to Machashefa is punished by skila. So you say, by Ovi Yedoni, by Ovi Yedoni, ultimately, again, we know that it is, that it is a punishment of skila. So I say, so essentially, essentially, this is a concept, ultimately, of something that was included in a klal and then removed from the klal. So Ovi Yedoni were included in the general Pasuk HaMachashefa. They're pulled out of the Pasuk HaMachashefa. The Torah tells us that Ovi Yedoni are killed through skila. And from there, we learn to all other forms of sorcery that they are executed by skila as well. Incredible. So we'll say, so we'll say but what's the point over here? You see that Rabbi Huda doesn't darshan smuchin. Now remember, what did Rav Yosef say before? Rav Yosef said that even those who don't darshan smuchin, right, in the rest of Torah, will darshan smuchin where? Where? In Chumash Tvarim, in Mishnah Torah. In Mishnah Torah. So I will say, so ultimately, and I will say, now I just want to point out, okay, in Mishnah Torah. So, in Mishnah Torah, and by the way, so where do you see this? Show me, show me. Where do you see that even a Rabbi Yehuda who doesn't darshan smuchin in the rest of Torah, does darshan smuchin in Mishnah Torah. This none, because we learned, no se adam anusas aviv, umefutas aviv. Well, see, this is a very interesting case. A person could marry the woman violated by his father or seduced by his father. Anusa means violated, right? Mefuta means seduced. So if, we'll say, so if one's father violated or seduced the woman, the son is permitted to go ahead and marry that woman. So the Gemara says, Anusas bino, umufutas bino. Similarly, a man could marry a woman who was violated by his son or seduced by his son. Rabbi Huda oser ba'anusas aviv umufutas aviv. Rabbi Huda, on the other hand, says that halacha la'maisa. Now, we'll say, now, what's the chiddush in this? By the way, take a look at Rashi. No se adam anusas aviv shelo neesra. I love olamis ela eishes aviv. Because it will say the only prohibition is one's father's wife. One's father's wife. That's the prohibition. So the Havamini is you might have thought that these women, right, the one who was violated by the father or seduced by the father, maybe have like a quasi-wife identity. Kamash Malon, though. Kamash Malon, again, it's only Aishis Aviv that is problematic. Similarly, again, Anusas Beno, Lav Kalasu. Similarly, again, I will say, a man is not permitted to go ahead and marry his daughter-in-law. So you might have thought that, again, maybe the daughter-in-law status even applies to a woman who was violated or seduced by the son. Kamash Malon, not. Kamash Malon, I will say, the first opinion says that Allah Chalamais, a man could marry a woman seduced by his father, violated by his father, seduced by his son, violated by his son. Okay. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, no. No, no, no. Ba'anusas aviv umafutas aviv. So Rabbi Huda says, a man is not permitted to marry a woman who was seduced by his father or violated by his father. Now, why is that? 
My time in Rabbi Huda. What's Rabbi Huda's logic? Dixiv lo yikach ish es ishes aviv v'lo yigalek knaf aviv. The pasuk says a man is not permitted to take the wife of his father. Nor may he also listen to this lashon lo yigalek knaf aviv. He may not literally reveal. It's literally translated reveal the corner or uncover the corner of his father. So that means is he can't uncover the corner of his father's garment. Now what does that mean? Essentially, any nakedness that his father has seen, the son is not permitted to uncover. So Rabbi Huda Darshan's over here that pretty much any woman with whom the father has had relations, the son is not permitted to marry. And therefore, again, even the case of Anusas Aviv, Mufutas Aviv, the woman violated by the father, seduced by the father, ultimately, again, the son is not permitted to marry. Okay. Umimai Diba Anusaksiv. And I will say, that's interesting. Okay. And I hear the drasha. But how do you know that Loikach Ishes Ishes Aviv? I will say, so again, understand what Rabbi Huda is doing. Rabbi Huda is saying in that postic, there's two things. Loikach Ishes Ishes Aviv. A man can't marry his father's wife. Now, obviously, in the Chiddush of the Apostolic, is not talking about one's own mother, right? Because one's own mother is obvious erva. This is talking about, again, a father married someone who's not my mother, right? So again, halacha l'maysa. So number one, the Torah says, you cannot go ahead and marry that woman even after your father divorces her or your father dies. That's number one. The second part of the Apostolic is, lo yigale knaf aviv. So Rabbi Huda's understanding that to mean, essentially, any woman who has seen one's father's nakedness, right? Ultimately, anyone with whom the father has had relations, the son cannot marry. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda, how do you know to darshan it that way? And how do you know that it's referring ultimately again to a woman who the father seduced or to a woman who the father violated? To which the Gemara says, I'll tell you, Rabbi Huda says, so the Gemara says, Ultimately, again, says the Gemara, says Rabbi Huda, says Rabbi Huda, look at, look at the earlier Pasek. What does the earlier Pasek say? will say the earlier Pasek talks about the Allah of a man violating a woman. A man violating a woman. So ultimately, Rabbi Huda says, look at the juxtaposition of the Psukim. Torah speaks out the halachas of a man violating a woman, and right after it, it says, you shall not uncover the corner of your father's garment. Rabbi Huda says, smuchin, we dash in the juxtaposition, and halacha lamai says, referring ultimately again to a woman violated or seduced by the father. Incredible. So he says, what do you see? What do you see? Rabbi Huda darshins smuchin. Where are these Psukim located? Chomish Tabarim. Mishnah Torah. See, even those who don't darshan smuchin in the general Torah, will darshan smuchin in devarim. To which the Gemara says, So I wanted the Rabbanon to do this. And I remember again, the Rabbanon who seemingly do darshan, who seemingly do darshan smuchin. Right? What do they do with this? Very simple. So okay, let's take this back for just a second. Why don't the Rabbanon agree with Rabbi Yudah? Because also remember again, the Rabbanon hold that a man is permitted to marry a woman who was violated by his father, right? Or seduced by his father. Why? Because also I want to point out these psukim 
are not exactly juxtaposed, right? In other words, they don't consecutively flow right one right after the other. There is a, there is a phrase in between. Of us, remember again, you have the pasuk that says, right about the prohibition of violating a woman and the penalty for violating a woman. Right after that, the Torah says, Lo yikach ishes ishes aviv, a man may not marry his father's wife. And then it says, Lo aviv. You can't uncover, you can't uncover your father's nakedness. You can't uncover the corner of his garment. The Rabbanon will say, how does smuchin work? Smuchin works when the two psukim, or the two phrases, are mamish right next to each other. But if there's anything that interrupts, it's not smuchin. Sirebo say, here's what's interesting about this model. The psukim are next to each other, but the topics are not. You have the topic of violating a woman, then the prohibition to take a father's wife, then the prohibition to uncover the corner of the father's garment. That phrase of taking the father's wife, says the Rabbanon, interrupt. They break up the smichos. That phrase breaks up the juxtaposition. So this is... It's like, it's, like, it's like too much to handle. Because what's happening over here is as follows. Now what you begin to see is there's a double machlokas. There's a machlokas do darshan smuchin. Okay, fine. That's machlokas. Do darshan, do, right? Do you ascribe importance to juxtapositions? That's machlokas number one. Machlokas number two, Bosa, is then in how you darshan smuchin. Is it just enough if the psukim are next to each other, but the topics maybe are not exactly juxtaposed? Or no, do we say that the topics mamish need to be juxtaposed? You see from here, Rabbi Huda says, and Rabbi Nehemiah, Rabbi Huda, who doesn't darshan smuchin in the rest of Torah, does darshan smuchin in chumish devarim. But yet, interestingly enough, we'll say it's smuchin as long as the psukim are next to each other, even if the topics are not right next to each other. And the Rabbanon say that no, to darshan smuchin, the topics need to be themselves directly juxtaposed. There can't be any intervening phrase. So I will say, so according to the Rabbanon, what do you learn from the phrase of lo yigale knaf aviv? This is fascinating. Bishomeres yavam hakasov medaber. I will say, you know what it's talking about? This is fascinating. That's talking about a woman who is waiting for yibum for the father. In other words, I will say, this is talking about a situation where the father... The father has brothers, right? The father has brothers. One of the brothers passed away without children. And now the widow is, go, right, is waiting for Yibam for the father. If the son has relations with, essentially, it's his aunt, right? He has relations with his aunt. Ultimately, again, old who's waiting for Yibam, I will say that's prohibited. And the additional phrase of Loyigalek Knaf Aviv comes to go ahead and make the son in violation of two lavin. To Laban, if he has relations with the Shomeres Yavam, the woman waiting for Yibam with his father, ultimately again, two prohibitions. Two prohibitions. Okay, so Yimar says, Mishnah Torah, my time at the Darsh. So now what we've successfully done, here, let's, let's take stock. It's always good to take stock in life, right? Even in Yavamis Taftal, let's take stock. What do we have so far? So we'll say, what we have over here is the notion of Darshan, Darshin and Smuchin. Right? Do we darshan smuchin? Do we not darshan smuchin? So, so some say yes, some say no. But what have we established? Even those who say they don't darshan smuchin, everyone gets into the, darshan, the, the smuchin pool, right? Everyone's in the smuchin water. When? When? Mishnah Torah, Chumash Tavarim. And we've proven that to Rabbi Huda. Even Rabbi Huda doesn't normally darshan smuchin in Devarim will. To which the Gemara says, by the way, or Mishnah Torah, my time of darsh. So why, why, why is Devarim different? 
Right? Why, why, in other words, why is it, if you're not darshan and smuchin in Kalatora Kula, why are you darshan and smuchin in Dvarim? To which the Gemara says, Ibai Seim Mishum de Muchach, Vibai Seim Mishum de Mufni. Well, this is very interesting. It could very well be because the Psukim in Dvarim, say, first of all, the simple answer is that Chumash Dvarim in general is so dramatically different from all of the other Chumashim. First of all, so much of it is a review. So because so much of it is a review, perhaps it gives us license to darshan things in a different way. That's kind of the backdrop to this. But the Gemara says, either because it's muchach, I will say, now what does muchach mean? Muchach means ultimately, again, it's clear, right? It's clear. Muchach means it's, it's, right, it's clear that it's there to be darshaned. Or mufni. Mufni means it's open. It's available. Okay, let's explain this. What does it mean, muchach? So for example, in this particular scenario over here, in this particular scenario over here, let the Torah go ahead and write this particular section. Why don't you put that in the section of Arayos? Right? By Achrimos. By Achrimos. Right? That, that's where this belongs. Dim Kaylingmar says, uh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. say, furthermore, again, it's Mufni. Mufni means it's a clearly extraneous phrase. Let the Torah just say, you cannot marry your father's wife. Why do you need that last phrase, Aviv? Why do I need that phrase? Don't uncover the corner of my father's garment. Why is that phrase necessary? Ahmed Bezer was saying, Shema Mina, what do I learn from here? Laaf ultimately again, that is Mufna. So Jose is interested with the Gemara is essentially saying is, in Chumash Tavarim, you have a lot of these psukim that are quote unquote, excuse me, that are quote unquote, Muchach or Mufna. Muchach meaning it's clear that it's clear that ultimately, again, you're meant to darshan it. How is it clear? Because they're both saying it's clear because the psukim don't seem, to, don't seem to belong here. Like in the case of Arayos, right? The case of the don't take your father's wife should have been stated in Chumash Vayikra and Achremos, right? Or it's Mufni. Mufni means it's clearly extraneous. So you have a whole bunch of psukim like this in Vayikra that are Muchach or Mufni, which then allows them to be darshan. The Let's go back to where this all began. How did this start? How did this start? This all started by tzitzis, right? The entire discussion, this is really fascinating, the entire discussion by asei doche lo I remember again, I will say, just, just so you remember, how do we get to this? This is such an exciting journey, as long as we forget where it began. Right? How do we get to this? We got to this because of the idea that yibum itself is an asei doche lo Right, that's that's how yibum works. Right, there's an assay of yibum. That's dochelos assay of what? Marrying my brother's wife. Where do we learn how to say dochelos assay? Where does that where does that where does that come from? Tzitzis, tzitzis and shatnis. But how do you know that the assay is dochelos assay? Uh, right, that the assay of tzitzis is dochelos assay of shatnis. Darshinan smuchin. Only because I'll say like it's multiple steps. Only because we darshin juxtaposed psukim. That's the way that it works. To which the Gemara says, "Vigabe tzitzis nami." They will say, "How do you know to darshan tzitzis?" How do I know to make that drasha? How do I know to make that? And I will say, by the way, it's a huge drasha that the juxtaposition of tzitzis to shatnis teaches me that tzitzis is allowed to be shatnis. How, how do I know to make that drasha? To which the Gemara says, "Here we go." 
Either because, either because it is clear and explicit that the Pasuk lends itself to be darshaned, or because it's clearly extraneous. Maybe because it's clear and apparent. By the way, where does that Pasuk appear? It appears in Chumash Bamidbar. I will say, ultimately, again, the Pesukim that we're quoting over here of the juxtaposition of Tzitzis to Shatnis appears in Chumash Tuvarim. Why are you bringing down the Pasuk of Gedilin Taseloch? Why is that in Chumash Tuvarim? The parasha of Tzitzis is in Chumash Bamidbar. What is it doing here? So I will say, the fact that you're talking about Tzitzis again, out of context, out of context means it's muchach. It's clear that what does the Ribbono Shal Olam want us to do? What does he want us to do? What does he want us to do? See, he wants us to darshan the juxtaposition of Tzitzit to Shatniz and tell us that Tzitzit to say, You know, isn't it incredible? So much of life I'm trying to figure out. What does Hashem want me to do? What does right? What does He want me to do? And sometimes... It's so clear what Hashem wants me to do. When I find the Pasuk of Tzitzis juxtaposed to a Pasuk of Shatnis in Chumash Devarim, it is clear that what Hashem wants me to do is darshan the kishkas out of it, right? And go ahead and understand that the juxtaposition teaches me that Tzitzis is allowed to be Shatnis. Otherwise, what is a Pasuk of Tzitzis doing out of context? What is it doing here in Chumash Devarim when the parish of Tzitzis itself is in Chumash Bamidbar? Do you buy same Shonim Ofna? And I will say furthermore again, so Muchach means it's apparent, it's apparent that ultimately, again, I'm supposed to darshan the juxtaposition of Tzitzis to Shatnis because why is the Torah putting Tzitzis, why is the Torah mentioning Tzitzis here in Chumash Devarim when the section of Tzitzis is really in Chumash Mufna. Furthermore, again, I will say the other possibility is that Halacha Lamaisa, it's Mufna. Mufna means it's extraneous. How is it extraneous? Here we go. The Torah already stated in Vayikra. In Vayikra. You cannot wear a baggage of shatnes. We already spoke about it. We already said it. Why do I need this additional Pasuk of shatnes in Chumash Vayikra? In the Chumash Vayikra. Excuse me. When Shemami no, Lafnuye. Ultimately, again, Abose therefore tells me what? It comes to free up the Pasuk. And what does freeing up the Pasuk do? It allows me to darshan juxtaposition of Shatniz ultimately again to Tzitzis. And to say Shatniz is normally Usr, except where? Except where? By Tzitzis. So, say, so what an incredible and overwhelming, beautiful, magnificent, cathartic limud. Right? So I will say all begins, so again, just remember, our, the reason why this is relevant to us is because all of Yibum is predicated on the halachic stru- construct of ase docha losase. That's how it works. A positive commandment is docha losase. That concept is learned from tzitzis and shatnis. If tzitzis and shatnis is learned from the fact darshin and smuchin, we dash in juxtapositions. How do you know you dash in juxtapositions? Either we'll say because it's muchach or it's mufne. Either because it's apparent. It's apparent, right? At least in the context of Tzitzis, it's apparent because the parish of Tzitzis is in the Midbar. Why are you repeating this over here? Or it's Mufna, because the entire Pasuk of Shatnas is fundamentally extraneous. Because Shatnas was already taught to us in Chumash Vayikra. So the Gemara now is going to go on a little bit of a Shatnas tangent. The Gemara says, one second. It's not true. 
the psukim of shatnis are actually not extraneous. They're not extraneous at all. Had the Torah just said, you shouldn't wear shatnis, or I should say, which means literally what? Shatnis should not come upon you. Had the Torah said that, that will say, you want to thought like this. So we've had this many times. You know, clothing sellers, clothing sellers, how would they often hawk their wares? They'd wear it, right? They'd, they'd have it on them. So we'll say, what about if the clothing seller has some wool garments, some linen garments, and they're all on top of him? You might have thought that that would be Asr. Because right? we'll say, it says, Lo ya'ala sounds like what? It can't be on you in any way, shape, or form. Which sounds like even the salespeople can't go ahead and have the multiple wool and linen garments on top of them. Therefore, I will say, what does the Torah say? Kazer Rahmana lo silbash. Torah says, you can't wear shatnis. Dumya de levisha de isbehano. So I will say, ultimately, again, lo silbash teaches us that what? The prohibition of shatnis, I will say, is to what? Is to what? Is derech levisha. Derech levisha is in a normative manner of wearing. That's what's asr. But let's see, I will say, if you're a clothing salesman and you just want to put layers of clothing on top of you to hawk your wares, is that mutter asr? Mutter asr? Mutter. Because that's not derech levisha. Because of Rahman lo silbash. And the Torah would have just said lo silbash. Hava amina dafka levisha denafesh haniyasa. I might have thought that it's only actual wearing that's problematic when it comes to shatnis. Why? Because that's where you have the greatest amount of hano. Aval ha'alo lo. But I will say, just allowing shatnis to be on top of you, that's not problematic. So I'll give you an example of this. Let's say a shatnis cover, right? Can you put a shatnis cover on top of you? You might have thought that that should be mutter because that's not called levisha. No, it's not true. Even a shatnis cover is problematic. means even having shatnis upon you ultimately is problematic. So I will say, what do you see from here? The Gemara wanted to say, that we can darshan, that we can darshan the psukim of, or the juxtaposition of shatnis tzitzis, because the pasuk of shatnis is extra. It's extra. To which the Gemara says, it's not extra. It's not extra at all. In other words, I have two psukim by shatnis. One says, one says, one says, beget kilayim lo ya'ala And one says, and one says, lo silbash. And they're both necessary. Because had I just had one of them, I would, that would lead me to an, to an erroneous result. So the psukim are not extra at all. To which the Gemara says, you're right. But imkain, lichtov rachbon of those silbash shatniz, semer ufishtim lamali. You're right, I will say, but still, the pasik itself is still extra. Because it could have just said in Dvarim, those silbash shatniz, don't wear shatniz. Why do you also have to put in there semer ufishtim? I was say, I already, I already know what shatniz is. I already know what shatniz is. Why do you have to put in there wool and linen? Michti, siv, kasav, ubeged, kilayim, shatnis, lo ya'ala alecha. The Torah already said that a beged, kilayim of shatnis, a beged of shatnis mixture, lo ya'ala alecha. But turn to Rabbi Shmuel, ho'il v'nem, ruba Torah, stam begadim, uparat l'cha, kasav, bechelen, semen ufishtim, af kol semen ufishtim. They both say this is another incredible idea. Rabbi Shmuel says like this, the Torah often uses the word begadim, stam, just uses the word beged without telling me what beged actually is. And in one place, the Torah says, what's beged? Semer ofishtim. So I will say, what does that do? That creates a paradigm or a binyan af to teach me. Af kol semer ofishtim. 
Any time you see the word beged, Rabbi what does de facto beged mean? What does beged mean? Woolen linen. Semero fishtim. Semero fishtim. Kasser Rachman Olam. You will say that's the case. Then by the pasuk of shatnis in Devarim, you have an extraneous phrase. Because you will say, what does the pasuk say? Lo silbash shatnis semer ufishtim yachdov. That's the pasuk in shatnis in Devarim right before tzitzis. What? In other words, once you tell me ultimately shatnis, or you tell me beged, I know that that's woolen linen. Why do you need to say wool and linen again? Why wool and linen again? To which the Gemara Oh, that will say that comes to make the Pasik extraneous, so to speak. And once it's extraneous in Tabarim, extra, mufna. Once it's open, once it's superfluous, then Allah Khalamaisa, I could dash and smooth and I could dash and juxtaposition to tzitzis. One second. I still need it. I'll tell you why. Wow. Wow. I'm going to throw say it's like this. When it comes to wearing, when it comes to wearing, I should say it differently. When it comes to just having, oh no, when it comes to wearing, I, oh no, when it comes to having something on you, I might have thought that that's dafka when shatnas applies wool and linen. But when it comes to wearing, which is an intense form of hana, of benefit, listen to this, I might have thought, you're not allowed to combine any two types of fabrics. In other words, I would say maybe shatnis, wool and linen, is even on garments that ultimately, again, are just going to kind of rest on you. But when it comes to wearing, which is a more intense form of hana, maybe what? Maybe halacha lamaisa, any two fabrics combined is going to be asr. Therefore, the Torah writes, Semer Ophishtim. Imkain, Lishtok, Kra, Minei. Vitisi, Shatnis, Shatnis, Meha Allah. Ultimately, again, if that's the case, the Pasik doesn't have to say anything and just make a Xerah Shavav, Shatnis, Shatnis from Ha'Allah. Vetani, Bere, Bishmo. Time of the Kasar of Rahman at Semer The reason ultimately the Kasar said Semer Ophishtim. Halav, Hachi, Kilayim, Bitsitis, Habamina, the Asar Rahmana. Semer Ophishtim, Kain, Tan, Bere, Bishmo. They say the only reason that tzitzis is allowed to be shatnis is why? Is because halacha lamaisa, the Torah writes, semer Had it not said semer I might have thought that what? I might have thought that halacha lamaisa, shatnis, is asr and tzitzis. Is that true? Vaksiv, vasulahem tzitzis, akhanfevigdehem. The Pasik says you shall make tzitzis on the corner of your garment. I will say, watch this. Now, we'll say, remember again, like we said before, in general, whenever you see the word beget in the Torah, beget always means what? Semer of wool and linen. Now, watch this. Now, we'll say, the Torah says, go ahead, now, we'll say, beget doesn't have to mean, doesn't have to mean a garment of semer and fishtim. It could just mean a beget of wool or linen. So you have beget. The Torah says you're supposed to make tzitzis on the corner of your beget. And the Torah says, what else do you put on the corner of your beget? Tcheles. What is tcheles made from? What is tcheles made from? Tcheles, amru. Tcheles is wool. Tcheles is wool dyed, blue dyed wool. How do you know that tcheles is in fact wool? So the Gemara says, So we'll say from the fact ultimately again that, that, that ultimately that Sheish, we'll say, the Torah uses the word sheish by Big Day Kuna. Sheish is linen, tcheles is wool. So for the fact that ultimately, again, sh- lin- we'll say, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to pause here for just a moment. Let, let's go back. Let's go back for just a moment because I don't want to rush through this last sugya. Tani Rebbe Shmuel. So both say, Tani Rebbe Shmuel is now a new, is now a new twist on this sugya. So let's pause here for just a moment. So we'll say, here's what we have so far. Just to follow the simple progression. We started today by saying that Allah Chalamaisa again, Yibum is learned out from the concept, or the concept of Yibum is predicated on Asei Doch Right? Now again, that only goes so far, because Asei Doch will not let you do what? Not let you do Yibum with who? With who? With an Erva. Right? Specifically, again, that's learned out from where? Achos Ishto. Right, so um, even though I say dochalosa, I say by yibum, it doesn't go so far to allow an erva punishable by kares. So that's achos ishto, and then all other ervas learned out by achos ishto. Where do we learn out I say dochalosa, I say from? Let's go through this. Where do we learn out from? Tzitzis. Juxtaposition of tzitzis to shatnis and chumish devarim. Now, I will say, it's not just to say dochalosa, I say, but how do you know to combine those psukim, and what's the answer, the mechanism we call? Smuchin. Smuchin. Then I'm a chokis for a second. Do you darshan smuchin? Not darshan smuchin. To which we essentially said that what? That Allah Chalamaisa, even those who don't darshan smuchin. Who is the chief smuchin antagonist? Rabbi Huda. Even he, it's probably a little bit strong, which I understand, right? Even he, even Rabbi Huda, ultimately again goes in and says, when do we darshan smuchin? Ultimately again in Chumash Tavar. They both say, that's the entire daf. That's the entire daf. The, 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 rest, the rest of it, the rest of it is just again, the explanations and the back and forth. And Tanadir Rabbi Shoabosa is now going to use this entire discussion to launch into a discussion about Sitis. I wanna I just want to end off with, with what I saw, which is just an incredibly beautiful, overwhelming Yisod. Bosa in the Hashkafa of Ase Dochelosase, there's something absolutely beautiful. I will say hashkafically, why do we say that an Ase is Docha Elosase? Right? Why should a positive commandment be docha alosa say a prohibition. So I will say in the Sefer Noam Begadim, Noam not Begadim, Megadim. Sefer Noam Begadim says something beautiful. Also listen to this. He says datam. What's the reason why? And I say hashkafically, halachically I know hashkafically. Why does a positive commandment set aside a prohibition? So listen to his lashon in the Mikos Gemara Maseches Kedushin. Aminon demachshava tova hakadosh baruch hu mitzarfel amaisa. Ultimately, again, I will say when it comes to a mitzvah. The desire to do a mitzvah in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is as significant as the actual Maisa Mitzvah. In other words, you get credit. You get credit for your Maisa Mitzvah. You get credit for the Machshava, for the willingness, the desire ultimately again to do a mitzvah. Ava Machshava Ra'ah. Rabbi say when it comes ultimately again to go ahead and have a desire to do an Avera, a Machshava Ra'ah, a negative thought to do an Avera, ain't HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mitzvah for the Maisa. They will say that Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, million times over. Right? The Rebbeinu Shalom does not count, does not count the desire to do an avera, like the actual commission to do an avera as well. Nimtza debe mitzvah bechoshev lasos mitzvah havi ki ilu asa the yim kein yeshka mitzos hamachshava. The Rebbeinu say it turns out that with a mitzvah, with a mitzvah, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says desire to do a mitzvah. Hakadosh Baruch Hu counts it like what? Ultimately, again, like an actual Maisa Mitzvah. So now I want to be clear. It doesn't mean that all you have to do all day is think about Mitzvahs. And say, wonderful, Shkoyach to me. What it means, I will say, is that a person has a desire to do a Mitzvah. And for some reason is precluded from doing so. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mitzaref the Das L'Machshava. The Rosh says the desire to do a Mitzvah. He looks at what do we yearn for? What do we want? What do we want to be? What, what, what are my Sheifas? What am I yearning for in life? And if I, if I yearn to do Mitzvahs, 
that counts for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Masha'enkin below Sasei. But with Averis, that's not the case. With Averis, all HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at is not what I'm thinking. Thank God. All he looks at is what? At what? What I do. Therefore, says the Noam Begadim, says, Ubazah, Gadol Kawach Shalamitzvos Asei, Lidchos Los Asei. Noam Begadim says, from here you see why an Asei has the ability to be Doch Los Asei. Because an Asei, a positive commandment, is so much stronger than a Los Asei. Why? Because the Asei has the ability ultimately to count towards a mitzvah, even when, even when what? Even when it's only b'machshava. But a lo sasei baruch Hashem are only held accountable for when? At the end of the day when we actually execute. That's why asei is doche lo sasei, says the Noam Gadim, which Rabbi tells us something so incredibly profound and beautiful, which is that sometimes in life, I can't always do the right thing, but wanting to do the right thing a desire to be greater, a desire to be holier, a desire to do the assay counts for so much in the eyes of the Rebbe. That desire translates halachically as well into the principle of assay dochelos assay. All right, Chevron Zoom, good Shabbos, everyone. Jerry, great to see you in Eretz Yisrael. Shabbos, everyone. Ah, beautiful. That's right.